All right, Jeremiah is going to be coming in in just a little while. He's got a few announcements to make. He's got a great testimony. I learned some. What's cool about giving these guys testimonies, for those of you that haven't been here yet, this is your first time, welcome to you guys. Welcome to you guys. Uh, who else is first here? Mike? Yeah. So um, um, we try to have you meet uh, some of the leaders in the church. And it's just a way for them to tell you about how they came to Christ. Well, Jeremiah's day is today, and I always learn something new about these guys. And, you know, I'm over here going, I thought I knew you. Well, that's a really interesting detail that I'll use against you someday. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's just great. We love these guys, and uh, I, I hope that you're benefiting from hearing their testimonies. Let me open in prayer, and we'll get right to it. Lord, thank you for this time. Um, what a beautiful, beautiful morning you've given us. Um, just one of the many kindnesses that you show to us on a daily basis. The very breath that each of us just took is a kind gift from your hand. Friendships are kind gifts from your hand. Food, so many things we could list. We're so grateful. And Lord, one of the things that you've done for us that is so beautiful is you established the church. Um, that it's the institution through which you manifest your glory to the world. And we're just one small little cog. And uh, Lord, we're grateful for New Community Church, grateful for what you're doing. And I pray that you'll help uh, all of the folks here think clearly about whether or not this is their place. Uh, help me to be clear so that they can make good choices, um, not based on wrong information. So. Uh, please help us, uh, help me to speak clearly, to express clearly, help them to listen carefully so that, uh, again, they can make um, good choices. And, and we're, we're thankful uh, for all that you do, especially, especially sending Jesus to die in our place. Uh, we'll have all eternity to praise you for that. So grateful. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, we've got a attendance sheet passed around. Um, I've said this a number of times, but I'll say it to you, especially for those of you that uh, are just now here. Um, we do require uh, a minimum of four classes. You scooted right in because this is class three. Yeah, right. Otherwise, if it was class four, I'd say the door's right there. See ya. No, I wouldn't do that. I would not do that to you. Uh, for those of you that uh, just did scoot in, I would accommodate you. If, if this was your third and that's all you could do, I would meet you somewhere. But there is one stipulation. you got to buy me an Egg McMuffin. That's it. That's all there is. Yeah, yeah right. Any excuse will do. So, um, so anyway, welcome to the five of you that are brand new here today. Um, we're glad you showed up. Um, this is this is great. Uh, so, um, I have a few announcements that I think are important. Um, let me bump those up here, and then Jeremiah will be coming in in just a little bit. Um, all right. Uh, I won't tell you about the equip classes, because if I do, you might leave this one and go to that one. So I can't do that, because we require four classes here, if you're serious about being a member. Uh, grief Share, that's held here, right in this room, every Saturday now for the next eight weeks. It's a 12-week program, and I think they've done three. Um, if there's anyone here who's lost someone, this is an outstanding, and it's, it's death, it's not just divorce, um, this is a niche for those who have lost 
a, a child or a spouse or something like that. Uh, this is a wonderful program. Um, I'm, I'm just learning more and more about it as I talk to people, and they're just so benefiting from it. So if you know anybody, it's not just restricted to church members who's really reeling from a recent loss. Grief Share is really good. They show a, a video, and then, and then they discuss it, but no one has to talk because there are some people that walk into this class uh, who are absolutely raw and cannot speak. So, you know, that's... Uh, uh, it's just one of the things that you know, I want you to be aware of. Um, food packs. Uh, that's coming up next week. Today's the 22nd. Um, and next week we're, we're handing out these cardboard boxes. And you have to put them together. It's not hard. Uh, although I may need you, Steve, to put mine together because, you know, I can't do anything without help. So they're easy to put together. We give you a list of things. I'll tell you what it's for in just a minute. A list of how to pack it, even a picture of how to pack it. Children's Health Fund is an organization we're partnering with. Um, they are, uh, they've been, we've had a number of our people, leaders, volunteer for this organization. Uh, it's been vetted. Uh, it's, it's an organization that helps the poor, but also has an emphasis on the gospel. Um, they work with local churches. So what we're going to do, what we're asking you to do, we're starting baby steps. What we're asking you guys to do is next week when we pass out these boxes, grab one, grab two, Lynn and I grabbed three, and already filled ours, but we'll probably grab a few more. And you fill these boxes at, at your expense. It costs us 15 bucks a box, I think, maybe. Um, and, uh, and so you fill these boxes. You bring them back, not taped. We'll give you all the instructions. Uh, we'll, we'll look at them, and then we'll package them and send them to Children's Health Fund. Uh, and what Children's Health Fund does with them is it's distributed as, as needed. So all we're doing this go-round is helping them stock their warehouses. That's all we're doing. And they have an, an arrangement with UPS. Some guy, upper executive in UPS, uh, loved the organization and has given them a really good deal. Otherwise, it wouldn't be worth it. The weight alone would cost more than the food. We just send checks. But because of UPS, uh, which is so kind, uh, we're able to do this in an efficient way. So all we're asking you to think about next week is to take some of those boxes, one if necessary, if that's all you want, that's all you can handle, take a box and then bring it back the week after or the week after that. We're going to collect those and, and then send them to Children's Health Fund uh, on, uh, sometime in November. Um, does that make sense? Uh, I hope you'll do that. Uh, we're just ch checking out to see what the interest is. Someday down the road, then, we'll be calling Children's Health Fund and say, send us 100 boxes. We have a bunch of people here right in Wildwood. There's a trailer park not far from here. I didn't even know about it. With uh, a number of um, a poor people. And, and we can go door to door and hand these boxes out. It's a really great opportunity for evangelism. Uh, you know, uh, helping people out where they're really needed, where they need help, and also share the gospel with them. So we're going to just test it next week, next couple of weeks, see what your interest level is in that. And uh, if we get back a couple hundred boxes, then we're going to go, okay, all right, let's go forward with this. So I just want you to be aware of that. Uh, so the boxes will be available next week. 
the women's ministry fall event. Uh, fall event. Um, actually, Lynn and uh, Hannah Kelsey are in charge of that. It's called Podcast and Pie. They're asking you to just look at it on there. Um, you can sign up for it, ladies. It's uh, November 2nd. 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. in the church lobby. there, And the ladies know how to do these productions. Yeah, Lynn. Let me just say more about that. The, the podcast is about developing biblical friendship amongst women. And yeah. so that is the nature of the podcast. If you can listen to it beforehand or not, and you don't know how to do a podcast, there's a link to a transcript that you can read. Is it and on on this announcement. On the site, so when you I go to the site, you to know that the podcast is regarding physical friendships among women. Yeah. Yeah, and Lynn's heard it already a number of times and it's uh, ladies if, uh, you know if you struggle with friendships, you know, this is a great podcast and a great opportunity to get to know other ladies and develop friendships. Uh, so uh, the men could use that too. We we should we should do that too. Can we come? No, probably not. Um, then the next one is Surviving the Holidays. It's a one-time event. Um, it's above and beyond the grief share. It's separate from the grief share. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you guys are doing. It, yeah. It's part of the program. It is part of the program. Okay. And it's, so it's just a special one-thing event where you can come because holidays are the roughest time for those of you that have lost people. They're really hard. When I went through a divorce in 1990. Uh, my Thanksgivings were very lonely. I was all by myself. My five kids were at the other place and, and they were tough. Those were tough times. Um, and so th this is a, an event just for people who need to think through, okay, how am I gonna do Christmas? I'm, I'm alone, my spouse is gone. What am I gonna do? So I, I highly recommend that if that's an area or if you know someone that would be in, an, uh, in the need of that. Uh, bonfire for, for Ascend Kids. Uh, I'll let you parents look at that one. Uh, newcomer Night. Oh, yes, Newcomer Night. I, I, I've been negligent in my past um, uh, classes like this to mention Newcomer Night. There's a new one coming up on November 10th. What is Newcomer Night? This is your opportunity. You can sign up. All of you who are new can sign up. You get a great meal, and you get, and it's at the Gregory's home, and you get um, much more interaction with the leaders of the church on a much more casual basis. It's one of the m most fun things that Lynn and I do when we can, because it's usually on a Friday night when we have our small group, so we can't be there. Um, but we love it when we can. And so come, uh, please, November 10th, sign up. You can sign up on the online here, and um, it doesn't matter how many are coming. They'll feed you all. And they feed you well, and the Gregory's have a beautiful home, which they've opened up uh, to all of you. And this will give you an opportunity to meet uh, Rich and Michelle on a much more intimate basis, as well as a number. Jerry's almost always there, Jerry Marshall, the founding pastor, and his wife, and uh, a number of the uh, leaders, elders, and their wives. So this, this gives you an opportunity to be up close and personal. I hope you'll take advantage of that. I'll announce that again next week, because we I have been negligent about that. Yeah. Any questions about that? Okay, uh, rake and run, I think that's for the kiddos. So, all right, any questions? Yeah. Oh. I think I checked everybody, but. Okay, is, has anybody not I signed? Check you. Thank you. I checked you. I checked yeah, you. Yeah, we got you. You got it. She's way ahead of you guys. 
<laughs> Good to see you guys. All right, anybody not sign this, Chris? I think she might have signed this too. Hang on just a minute. Yep, she got it. Good. Uh, I'll just get started, and as soon as Jeremiah walks in, I'm going to step aside and let him uh, let him tell you about himself. Okay. Um, all right. Last week we talked about what did we talk about last week? We talked about uh, doctrine, uh, doctrine, doctrinal issues that you need to be aware of. Again, if you weren't here last week, most of the information is in your book. Um, you can go to our website and get more information on where we stand on doctrines. Yeah, it's on. So uh, I, I recommend you do that. That's extremely important. Uh, the, uh, we talked about the fundamentals of what we believe, um, and you need to be aware of that. If you're going to be a member here, you need to know what, what exactly do these folks uh, adhere to, what are the doctrines they hold. Uh, that's really important. Uh, so I hope you'll look at that if you haven't, if you weren't here last week. The week prior, we talked about what a church is, what it isn't. Uh, it's not a social club. It's not, you know, it's not just a location. The church, as I mentioned earlier, is the living organism that God established through which he displays his glory on earth. So it's extremely important, the church. Ecclesiology is the big word meaning uh, the called out ones and it's the word used for church in the new testament uh, ecclesia and it's um yeah, we we want you to know we take church seriously and as members we want you to take it seriously as well we are a family we are a group of called out ones from the world into a community a living organism that is here to give glory to God, to worship Him, glorify Him, and it's done through this body of believers. So um, a casual give it, you know, come, not come, come, not come is not biblical. Um, you need to be here every Sunday, and it's not because we want you here so you can do some work. It's because you need the church. You need to be here to be fed. You need, you need to serve. Uh, you need to understand that this is, this is not an optional add-on to your life. Uh, for Lynn and I, this church is our life. It really is. Now, I'm an elder, of course, that, so uh, it, it, obviously there's a little bit more um, intensity involved, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it is not an optional add-on. Church is our life. And and so we really strongly encourage you to take advantage of the areas of the church where you can get plugged in, meet people. A small group is a great one. We mentioned that. We'll mention it again in weeks five and six. Um, and so you know, church is super important. That's what we talked about the first time. And then this time, now we're going to continue in what we, what we hold to, the doctrines we hold to, and then we're going to move into um, uh, purity in the church, how to, how to fight sin, uh, it's extremely important. How do you fight sin and how do we deal with sin uh, that is unrepentant within the church body? Um, so let's, let's do that. Let's start today with uh, the last times or eschatology, end times. Um, so these are, this would be a, I think I mentioned this second tier doctrinal issue, right? 
the, the first tier doctrinal issues, if you don't hold, a hold to an understanding of who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, the belief in the Trinity, uh, the inspiration and fallibility of the Bible, uh, how, do, how do you get saved, regeneration, those things are fundamental. If those things you have a problem with, uh, maybe you came from a Jehovah's Witness background and you think Jesus is Michael the Archangel. That's a problem, and you, you will have a problem being here at this church. Don't leave. I want to talk to you, because I think the Bible's extremely clear on who Jesus is. There's no ambiguity here. So that kind of thing. So if you have any problems, as I said last week, with any of the major things that we talked about, please come and talk with one of the elders. I've done that a few times out of this class. Um, just met guys at McDonald's and, uh, and over, a, over an Egg McMuffin. Uh, we talk about these, these big issues. So uh, I've done that. So please do that. But now these are secondary issues, things that we don't need to fight about. But we, we only ask that if you hold to a different view of eschatology, um, we have a number of people from, um, well, let's see, a Presbyterian background who have started coming here. They would hold to a different, if they hold to those views, to a different view than we would. All we would ask is that you don't make it your soapbox issue, soapbox issue because unity is far more important than agreement on these issues, okay? Um, my best example of that would be John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul. Uh, locked arms for the gospel. Um, they would have died for the gospel together, arm in arm. But they also totally disagreed on the mode of baptism and kidded each other about it in front of everybody else. And they also totally disagreed on end times. Uh, but that's my point. Everybody knew they were close friends. They loved each other. I think they, R.C. has gone on to be with the Lord. I think those two men exemplified what it means to be godly men and agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Those two men really did that. And they could, they could chide each other. I mean, they both had sharp senses of humor. <laughs> Uh, MacArthur said some things to, that, to R.C. Sproul that I, well, probably would have ended my friendship, but these guys knew you know, they were really good friends, so they could jab each other. He came right back with some zingers. So, um, so eschatology, here we go. This is, we believe in the personal, visible return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth and the establishment of his kingdom, and I personally would say, even so come, Lord Jesus, we're ready. This world's gone crazy. Everybody, anybody remember, am I dating myself, the little, little rascals? Or, or maybe it was the Three Stooges. I don't remember. This, this place has gone crazy, you know. That, that's kind of where we're at, you know. When people walk away from, the, from solid biblical truth and there is no objective truth, then anything goes. And that's, that's where we are. So we believe Jesus is coming back. He's going to clean all this mess up. We believe in the eternal blessedness of the righteousness of the righteous with God in heaven and the endless suffering of the wicked with God in hell. And I say that with a heavy heart because we have people in our own family that we know that that describes. Now we're praying for them, right? I think I told you um, maybe last week we have two of our kids that have recently in the last year come to Christ and we've seen real fruit. So. We don't give up on them. We pray, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes. And uh, one, it's taken a divorce, and the other, it's taken a, uh, a betrayal of business, and it drove both of them to their knees. So whatever it takes. 
to not experience the endless suffering of the wicked without God. But that we believe, and it's a motivator for me, and I hope it is for you, sharing, opening our mouths. Further, we believe that Christ will return for his church through what has commonly been called the rapture, which could happen at any time. We believe there will be a tribulation of seven years following the rapture. Uh, I, I will say, and this would be the 70th week referred to by Daniel in his book on ch in chapter 9, 70th week. He had a, a prophecy of 70 weeks, the 70 weeks of sevens, um, seven years. The 70th week is the tribulation. And when people lightheartedly say, no, I think we're going to go through the tribulation. Really, man, I think, and they start arguing. They have no idea how bad it's going to be. So if you, it's going to be really, really bad. And, uh, and that's not going to be something we want to go through. Now, if I'm wrong and we do go through it, God will sustain me. I know that. But I don't think I am. Um, but don't talk about it like, you know, pass the butter. By the way, we're going through the tribulation. No, 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 no. It's like talking about hell lightheartedly. Don't do that. It's too serious. So we do believe that God will take the church out, which will only expedite the, the depravity uh, and the unleashed evil during those seven years. So that's coming. Um, I don't know when. Seems like soon, doesn't it? It's me. Further, we believe that Christ will return for his church through what is commonly called the rapture, the 70th week. We believe in a millennial kingdom that Christ will overthrow his enemies, restore Israel, and reign on earth for a thousand years. Even so, come. We believe in a final judgment that after a rebellion at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, Jesus throws Satan into the lake of fire and pronounces judgment on all his enemies. We believe in the eternal state, that being all believers enjoy God forever in a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what we have hope for, right? It's the blessed hope um, of Christ coming back and, and taking us out of here. He's already rescued us from the penalty of sin. Someday he'll rescue us physically out of this mess and bring us into his glory. Yeah, praise his holy name. Obviously, some of these last-day beliefs have generated tremendous controversy in the church. And some of these issues, these second- and third-tier issues, again, we caution people to be more concerned about unity over being right. Unity over being right. Yeah, brother, I see what your point is, but I disagree. My son uh, would not hold to these things. He's my, I love him dearly. He's a pastor in, in um, Austin, Texas. And we just agree to disagree on some of these things. We talk about them occasionally, um, but that's the way it should be, to agree to disagree. Um, and I always tell them, you know, when we're going up, you're going to say, oh, I guess you were right. And you're going to say, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I was. See, I told you. I told you. <laughs> but we have fun. We have fun. <laughs> um, all right. Um, sanctity of life. I want to talk about that a little bit. We believe that each person is a unique creation of God, and if in upholding the sanctity of life, we oppose the destruction of human life because it is unwanted, imperfect, or merely inconvenient. We oppose the wholesale destruction of life by abortion on demand, the direct or indirect infanticide of newborn children, which is becoming more prevalent for reasons of mental or physical defects and the impending threat of legalized euthanasia uh, directed toward the elderly portion of our society. We oppose all that because God opposes it. 
uh, senility, infirmity, retardation, insanity, etc., are not to be recognized as reasons for extermination, and the consideration, teaching, and support of these practices are definitely inconsistent with God's divine purpose. Uh, we had a, and suicide as well, we had a, um, a lady that we used to pick up. Did I mention this in this class? Uh, if I have, sometimes I repeat myself. Welcome to my wife's world. But I, we, uh, we had a lady we used to pick up, Ethel, um, at a nursing home she was in. Um, and uh, we called her the matriarch of the church. Uh, and, uh, and until she couldn't come anymore, she had to stay in her home. And then she got worse and worse and just got more and more uh, sick and, and pain. And, and she would ask us, ask me, when we got there, would you please pray that Jesus takes me home? I'm ready to go home. But it never crossed her mind, which I did. I didn't think that was an ungodly prayer. I just said, with this caveat, I will pray, Ethel. God may leave you here, and he's leaving you here for a reason. And that's to honor him and give glory to him. That even in pain and suffering, uh, there's meaning. And so I did pray for her that the Lord would be kind to her and merciful and, and give her some relief. But it never crossed her mind, never, to take her own life, never because she understood these things. All right, um, let's talk about something not controversial, like gender. Here we go. Uh, we believe that God wonderfully and immutably creates each person as male or female. These two distinct complementary genders together reflect the image and nature of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Rejection of one's biological sex is a rejection of the image of God within that person. Very important. We understand that even 20 years ago, that statement that I just said was not at all controversial. But today, in our culture, it is highly controversial. The enemy, you can be canceled for saying something like that. The enemy of our soul, Satan, has convinced many in our culture to go with feelings over objective truth. It's almost become, and I notice this among some of our kids' friends, cool and hip, uh, to suggest that your gender fluid. It's, it's just become a peer pressure thing almost. Uh, and, and Drew, by the way, addresses all these issues with the kids. Um, you know, because some of them are in public schools and they're fighting this thing. They're frontliners. Um, and so they've got to know what they believe and why. And so do you. Uh, you see it. Sometimes some of you have it in your family. We are very sensitive to that. Um, God's word and therefore God's church must stand strong against this onslaught. We're asking you as members to do that uh, in this culture, and it's going to take courage to do that, um, to be able to just kindly and gently say, "No, no, there are there are just two genders." Um, it's amazing that that statement alone could draw persecution, but today it can. It can. We must teach what the Bible says about gender without fear or apology. Uh, this is one of my favorite verses in dealing with folks who disagree with us. Um, we have in our own family uh, um, one who would disagree with us on this issue. And this is the verse I read uh, to them. And I hope you'll take this one to heart. It's a verse that's helped me tremendously in dealing with people who oppose me for any reason, uh, doctrinally or just life or issues or the truth or whatever. 
It's 2 Timothy 2, uh, 24 through 26. It's Paul's admonition to us in how to deal with people who oppose us. He said, um, he said this, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. The Lord's servant, or bondservant, it says in some of your uh, rendered, uh, some of your editions. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach. There's no reason you can't be kind. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting opponents with gentleness, in the hope that, some of you don't read that, it just says God may grant, but it's in the hope that God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by, the, by him to do his will. Right? That's, that's where people are. That will give you great compassion with those who are angrily opposed to you. Recognize that what, what I'm looking at here is a person who's been captured by the world and the enemy and I continue pray, continue to pray for them uh, rather than react harshly so kindness gentleness and in, and in, in instructing as they give open opportunity as has happened in our family um, and just say this is where where we're at we love you dearly um, and we will continue to t speak the truth to you as you give us opportunity but our hope is always, always, that you come to Christ, that you escape from the bondage. We, that's our, our hope. So parents, grandparents as well, you must affirm your children frequently. And this is so important. Uh, of the gender God has given them, remind your boys often they are creations of God, designed by God to protect and care for women. Affirm them in their masculinity often. Uh, uh, likewise, you must affirm your girls and their femininity often, uh, more than you would think. You know, it, you've got to be more intentional about it than ever before. Remind them they were created by God as women. Remind the men that they were created by God as men. And so we do this with our grandkids. Oh, you're a big, strong kid, Brock. I'm so, it's so cool the way you protect your little sister, Lana. Just little ways to interject um, the truth that this is a man and we want you to act like a man uh, and this is a woman and we want you to act like a woman and there aren't other genders. It's just that's a, you can do that in subtle but intentional ways and in this culture again I, I really strongly advise you, admonish you to do that more often than you would think. Um, just remind your kids that God made you exactly the way you are. He didn't make mistakes with your children. Now, this will help your boys and girls to avoid the confusion and heartache that permeates our culture over this issue. And we realize that some of the cultural issues have touched your homes. We do. We went to one of our kids' homes. This is the one I was referring to earlier. And she wanted us to meet her friend. Uh, her friend's name was Meg. And then she said, um, uh, well, they are coming over. And we said, oh, does she have a friend? Is, is Meg have her friend? No, that's what she refers to herself as. Now, this was a couple years ago. It was the first time I've heard that term, they. Um, and she wasn't sure yet what gender she wanted to be. She was a woman, but she wasn't sure yet what she wanted to be. And all I wanted to do, we met her. 
um, loved her. Uh, all I wanted to do was hug her, hug her. I wanted to just whisper in her ear, you are a beautiful woman. Embrace it. Don't be confused. It'll just make your life much harder. But I couldn't, not in that environment. I just couldn't. But we prayed for Meg. Uh, but so we, uh, why do I say that? Because it's touched our lives. It's probably touched some of yours. Um, we've a even had families in our church whose kids have transitioned. Heartbreaking. Um, but it, you can, you can, you can help avoid some of those things by those comments, uh, just reaffirming in their minds uh, what's true. So if that's true for you guys, honestly, we want to come alongside you. So if you're in here and you're, you know, you're holding back tears because that's happened in your own family, don't be, don't be isolated. Come and talk to us. We'll pray for you, pray with you, uh, because we know um, these things are happening everywhere, and they're touching the church, churches everywhere. So as I said 20 years ago, these things were um, not accepted in our culture. Um, men becoming women, women becoming men. We, I remember when these things first started, uh, I was like, who would, why? Why are we even talking about this? Who would even, and here we are, right? Uh, and I'm sure some of you are the same. Um, recently, there was a, a, a congressional vote, I think this happened six or eight months ago, on whether or not to uphold um, women's sports by not allowing bi biological males to compete. Everybody knows how unfair that is. It doesn't matter where you are on the issue. Deep down, you know that's not right. It's going to destroy women's sports completely, these women who work so hard to be where they are. Do you know not one elected, I'm not trying to be political, I'm just showing you how this has permeated our culture, not one elected Democratic congressman voted for that. Not one. They all said, no, we want men to be involved in women's sports. And that's how pervasive the thinking is. Um, I just recently heard of a new sexual identity referred to as minor attracted. What is that? It's pedophilia. That's the new one that's coming up. And we, we go, no, yes. Yeah, it's right around the corner if it's not here in some cases already. Um, five years ago, that would have been abhorrent, illegal, throw the man in jail, woman, whoever. But today, no, no, that's just their chosen gender. They're minor attracted, and we have to embrace that because truth is out the window. So once our culture defies reality and walks away from the creator God of the Bible, anything, 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 anything will be acceptable. Anything. If a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, why can't a man identify as a 12-year-old girl and be attracted to other 12-year-old girls? Who's going to tell him you can't do that? Who's going to tell him that? Uh, what line of reasoning? Recently, I, you might have heard this. It was in the news. These guys went to a woman's conference because they wanted to identify as women that day. They didn't know how to deal with these men. They knew the men shouldn't be there, but the men were proving a point. What are you going to say to me? Today I'm identifying. They didn't know what to do with that. Well, 10 years ago, you said, you're not, get out. Not today. They don't know what to do with it because we're crazy. We've, we've lost truth. We can't think clearly anymore. And so um, there was no line of reasoning that would have gotten them out of there. Uh, if you get a chance, there is a video on YouTube. Here's what I want you to Google. Five foot nine white man says he's a six foot five Chinese woman. Put that, Google that. 
it will be an eye-opener for you. Have you seen it, Jimmy? You've seen that? All right, because I, 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 I have showed it, I know, in the youth group before. But um, anyways, a little 5'9 guy who's on a college campus, and he said, what if I told you I was a woman? Well, almost all of them said, well, that's okay. Okay, what if I told you I was a Chinese woman? Well, okay, that's what you want. What if I told you I was a six-foot-five Chinese woman? Well, now that I'd have to... You know, I'd have to say, now, what, what is your basis for that? They couldn't say, no, man, you're a five-foot-nine white man. What are you talking about? They couldn't do it because they couldn't think clearly. It's an eye-opener. If you get a chance, don't do it now. I see phones out. I see phones out and somebody laughing. I'll know you're, yeah. don't do that. Uh, all, all that I'm saying is we have to be ever vigilant um, at this church, in your homes, and so we're asking you as members uh, to be ever vigilant in your families, um, area of, a, of your own culture. Standing for Christ and his truth will become more and more costly. It's just a matter of time. And, uh, you know, the, the elections might hold back the dam from just being broken, but they're not going to hold it back for long. Um, the dam is, is already kind of leaking big time and... It's going to affect our, our church. It's going to affect godly churches. It's going to affect conservative churches. Um, so we're asking you just be courageous. We'll, we'll, we're, we're not going anywhere. The leaders are not going anywhere. Um, we might end up in jail someday. I hope not. Uh, but who knows uh, where we're headed as a culture. So um, with, the, with the way things are going, we're just asking you, you know, as a member of this church, you, you, we're asking you to be courageous. That's it. And, and stand for truth. Marriage. We believe that the term marriage has only one meaning. You want to go check on Jeremiah? <laughs> that guy. We even sent him a text last night and said, Jeremiah, don't forget, I don't want my wife having to come after you again. And, uh, and he said, don't worry, I got it in my calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I, he's a busy guy. You know, I give him, I cut him a lot of slack. Except, except, Jeremiah, you're half my age, buddy. Right. You're half my age. Uh, I have an excuse. Um, anyway, he'll be in frazzled. <laughs> I wish I was there when Lynn goes, and I can see Jeremiah now. Oh, you know, he'll be in in a minute. <laughs> so cut him a little slack when he's like, okay, where am I? What room is this? Um, so we believe that the, the term marriage has only one meaning, and that meaning is the uniting of one biological man and one biological woman in a single exclusive union as delineated in Scripture. That's what we believe. That's what the Bible says, Genesis 2, 18 through 25. We believe that God intends sexual intimacy to occur only between a man and a woman who are married to each other. That's 1 Corinthians six eighteen. a number of other verses. This verse, uh, Hebrews 13, 4, is a verse that I've encouraged many uh, dating couples to memorize. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but I know you're dating. And so uh, this is Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor by everyone and the marriage bed undefiled. Why? For fornicators and adulterers, fornicators is sex before marriage, adulterers is sex with somebody outside of your wife, our husband, fornicators and adulterers, and here's the three words that got me off a couch while I was dating Lynn. 
when we were single parents. God will judge. And so I have dating people memorize that because the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind at the very right time you need it. Um, so that's what that David said it himself. Uh, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So you got that in your word. The Holy Spirit brings it up. And baby, I got to go. See ya. Where are you going? I got to go. McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald's. I need an egg McMuffin. Cool off. <laughs> so single guys, single women, men who are married, you know. Uh, God will, will deal with you if you are moving outside of your marriage. And uh, we'll get into that too because that includes uh, pornography. We believe that God intends this sexual intimacy to occur only between a man and a woman. Um, sexuality. We believe that God has commanded that no intimate sexual activity be engaged in outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. We believe that any form of sexual immorality, including adultery, fornication, homosexual behavior, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, and the use of pornography, any of that is sinful and offensive to God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will, in, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexual, homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. There is no ambiguity there. Uh, God is very clear. And then he said, but such were some of you. I didn't include that. Uh, but you were washed. So there's hope in Christ. And no matter what the background is, no matter what the tendency is, no matter what the addictions are, there is hope in Christ to be relieved of those shackles. And um, I'll tell you about some of those hopes in just a minute and how we deal with those. Jeremiah, were you surprised or did you have things to do? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a non-answer, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, surprised? And had things to do. Surprised that my technology failed me. Okay. <laughs> Blame it. Oh, yeah. yes. our first conversation yesterday, if I remember, dear sweet brother, in our men's retreat was don't do any blame shifting. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? I just, do I, I literally just yesterday was in counseling telling a couple, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. All right. Do you need uh, any of this? No. You're, you're on record okay. there. Okay. Good. Uh, well, sorry about that. I, no, yeah, I was fine. sitting I sitting in class. Uh, I did this last time uh, and <laughs> totally missed it. Uh, had to Lynn came in and got me from the service last time, and uh, we were joking this week, like you know, hey, reminder, reminder. I put reminders in my phone. I have it on my calendar, and none of them went off this morning. So. Uh, technology. Got to love it and hate it. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm Jeremiah. I'm the pastor administration here and one of the elders and have the uh, joy and privilege of being able to serve in that capacity. I've been here at New Community for uh, just over 12 years, uh, which has gone by very, very quickly. I just can't believe that it's been that long. And uh, I came uh, by way of uh, the Master Seminary and uh, on staff at Grace Church out in California. Um, and so I had the great privilege of uh, serving and attending seminary uh, out there for four years. Met my wife, Courtney, and 
uh, got married there for um, about halfway through uh, seminary. Uh, the first two years I was single, and uh, the last two years I was married, and the last two years was better all the way around. Uh, <laughs> grades were better, life was better, just everything was better. Uh, and uh, then we, uh, uh, she graduated from uh, the Master's University a uh, year after we were married uh, in biblical counseling. Uh, so that's kind of her background and her uh, passion, and uh, she uses that a lot on our four kids right now. Uh, and so uh, we, uh, I had two more years to go, as I said, uh, graduated and started candidating and was candidating at uh, uh, three churches kind of formally uh, here, uh, a church out in uh, Virginia and then a church in Kansas and uh, ended up uh, through a long process, kind of coming down to the church here and in Virginia. And uh, I had a lot of roots back in St. Louis, so my dad grew up here um, in uh, Crestwood area. And, uh, you know, was, I grew up in Montana because my dad relocated there uh, after college, and uh, we didn't have any professional sports teams in Montana. Uh, and so I kind of just uh, defaulted to all my dad's teams. Uh, so I grew up a Cardinals fan, and, uh, you know, I wasn't just, you know, I'm not a uh, bandwagon. I don't know if there is a bandwagon after this season, but, uh, you know, I, I've been a Cardinals fan all my life, and uh, this year was a hard year to be a fan. But um, uh, anyway, uh, it was a very familiar place. Uh, one of the first phone calls I had with them said, so, so tell me where in the St. Louis area are you? Uh, we're out in a little community called Wildwood. I'm like, you're kidding me. And they said, no, why? I said, oh, I have an aunt and uncle that live five minutes away from the church in Wildwood. And uh, I interned here in St. Louis in college uh, at my uh, uncle's engineering firm. And uh, so I was very, very familiar with the area. Uh, long story short, once I got here, visited, and you know, prayed through it, uh, it was kind of a no-brainer uh, for us. It was just, I wanted to go to a place where even if I wasn't going on staff at that church, it's a place that I would want to go and raise my family. Uh, and that's what we found at New Community. It was uh, just a place that was like, hey, I, I could see if I was just moving to this area, uh, coming to this church and uh, getting plugged in and uh, raising my family here. And so that's what we've done. We've had four kids since we've been here uh, and have the great privilege of uh, kind of transitioning after a couple of years in student ministry here uh, into the role that I'm currently in, uh, administration. So I kind of oversee uh, our staff, our communications, facility, budgets, uh, you know, all those kind of things, uh, and uh, make sure that the trains try to stay on the track. And uh, there's a lot going on, and it's a blessing to see a room like this filled. Uh, last month we were in here, or last class, and it was filled, and we've had a number of uh, these kind of classes uh, over the last couple of years at every time they're full and uh, that's just God's blessing That's nothing different uh, that we are doing uh, here. We've always been since the beginning uh, before I was even around uh, But Doug can attest to this because uh, he's been here since week two, right? Uh, is that we've always been about the exposition of scripture. What does the scripture say? That's what we do. That's how we do ministry. That's how we do everything um, and so um, that, uh, that is kind of the one trick pony of new community church. We, what does the Bible say? That's how we're going to do it. 
uh, and seek to uh, honor the Lord in that way. So, um, uh, what else? I, do you want me to tell my testimony? I, I'd love to hear it. Okay. Do we have time? Uh, uh, I'll do, do it briefly. I, I do have a, okay. on, a one more big thing to talk about. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll do it quick. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian home, uh, and uh, my dad was, uh, as I said, grew up here in St. Louis, a Catholic. Uh, so uh, then he he married my mom. My mom is kind of a uh, eclectic uh, background spiritually uh, with uh, her upbringing. Uh, so both uh, first-generation Christians, uh, believers, um, in that sense. And so uh, when they had me, they decided, well, we want to raise our kids in church. And so they found a little Baptist church in Montana uh, and heard the gospel and responded. And uh, that was uh, kind of the beginning of uh, their lives as, uh, as believers together. And, you know, those are the churches I grew up in. Um, and uh, heard the gospel growing up, uh, responded, uh, but it was uh, kind of an easy believism for me uh, growing up. It was uh, an understanding of uh, that, you know, people are sinners, Jesus died for sinners, say this prayer, and you don't have to go to hell. That was kind of the understanding of uh, as a six-year-old boy in Sunday school, like, yeah, I don't want to go to that scary place, all I got to do is say this prayer, and I'm good. Uh, but the problem with that is uh, it was more based out of a fear of hell than it was a love for God. Uh, and certainly uh, regeneration, the work of the Spirit in my heart, I do not believe took place at that time. Um, it was much later, once I got to college, uh, that a bunch of circumstances in my life that were pretty challenging and difficult um, for me um, you know, took place, and I realized uh, at that point that uh, if this Christianity thing has anything to it, uh, that it better get to work for me, because uh, up till now, it's just kind of been a get-out-of-hell-free card. Uh, it hasn't really had the robustness of uh, answering my difficult questions of life, and I was kind of in an existential crisis of sorts that uh, I, I needed answers for life or I was just going to go total hedonist route, like just live how I want to live uh, and just have as much fun as I wanted to have. And, you know, I've got my ticket out of hell, so like I'm good. Uh, so I started asking some really big questions of life and uh, of God and of uh, the meaning of life and significance of life and uh, just providentially uh, God put some men in my life at that time uh, that were able to take me back to the scriptures and answer uh, those questions in a very uh, mindful, thoughtful way uh, that was the first time where I felt like uh, God had opened my heart and put the right people in my path uh, to answer the kinds of questions that I was having from the scriptures, which was really helpful. Um, and so um, that was kind of a process of a few months there where I was reading through Romans and got to Romans 6 and got to the point where, uh, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of wretchedness? And uh, every time um, broke down in my dorm room. Uh, all alone and realized I've always tried externally to please God, please my parents, please the people, you know, whoever was around me. Um, but 
uh, there had never been that internal work of God in my heart. And uh, that's the point where I just confessed, uh, God changed me from the inside out. He started doing that work in a really drastic way. I was never really a reader. All of a sudden, I'm just voraciously reading scripture, theology books, all kinds of, everything I could get my hands on, uh, and just, you know, took off like a rocket, you know, and uh, had the opportunity to teach some classes, or uh, not class, but a Bible study uh, in my dorm, and God began using that in other people's lives, just teaching them what I was learning, and uh, God used that in other guys' lives, and began to give me a little bit of heart for ministry, and I'm in business school, so I'm like, what am I doing in business school? Like, I have a heart to share this with other people. And so God, I finished business school, and then I went to seminary and had some guys, uh, uh, Ken Ramey, uh, down in Montgomery, Texas, where my parents were, uh, their pastor there at the time, um, say, you know, Jeremiah, you know, have a business-trained guy with a theology degree in the church is like, a senior pastor's dream, like, to be able to put those two things together. I'm like, really? Like, why? And, you know, I just was naive and young and had no idea uh, how God could use those things together uh, in the church. And so that's been really my joy and privilege to be able to kind of pull those things uh, together, to pull uh, right uh, teaching, right uh, beliefs and uh, the truth uh, in with uh, wise business practices and uh, just uh, see how the Lord can bless that and use that uh, in and through his church. And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the journey I've been on for the uh, last number of years. And uh, as I said, just it, it really is a joy. This is home to us, uh, and we're so thankful we're here and that God's brought us uh, here and is using us, and uh, it's it's really just a privilege. So, uh, any questions on anything that I mentioned there? Or if not, then give it back to Doug. And yeah, yeah, uh, not a question, but a comment about uh, listening to you guys online. Yeah, I listened to you online, and okay. you said um, you mentioned you weren't a reader, but you were reading everything. Yeah, if you came to the Lord. Yeah. I know the other day in a Sunday school class, you mentioned how. Um, some people are readers, and some people like will listen to music. Sure. Like, yeah. I get up in the morning, I'll listen to like my old, um, uh, the way, uh, the, the I'm a morning and hippie, and so I'd listen to the way. And okay. Like, Jesus is all we need, and I'll enter into worship. Yeah. To my Lord Jesus with that. Yeah. And, but my wife, she's like like a reader. Okay. And so yeah. she'll spend two hours in the Word in the morning, yeah. and I'll spend two hours just hmm. worshiping through music and yeah. stuff, and I'll read very, like I'll read maybe a chapter or something, sure. yeah. but she's reading and studying, and I'm yeah. listening to it, and I, and I thought, I'm like, hey, Jer you know what Jeremiah just said? You know, and, I was, and my question is this, is like when, what gave you that wisdom that there's two different types of people who come to know the Lord, like are who worship in different ways. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't remember saying that, but uh, you know, I would say that uh, the Lord wires each of us uniquely in his image, That's what you, you know, to uh, worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, the that. truth comes from his word, so you can't yeah. neglect that. It's not, I'm glad to hear that you said no, no. that you're it's, still it's reading. It's not one. like you're no, neglecting no, no, it. No, no, no. 
so you want to have both. You want to you want to make sure that the truth is informing your worship. Uh, that's not just you know kind of headless you know worship. That right. you know it's just. Uh, but that um, some of us love music uh, and love the arts, and uh, God has designed us to be creative beings, uh, and uh, we uh, can worship in enjoying, um, you know, the beauty of the colors of fall. You know, uh, even coming into church this morning, you know, seeing that that you know all creation is uh, claim, claiming God's goodness and His power and His might. Uh, songs do that. Art does that. You know, we, we can do that. And those can be prompters uh, towards our worship and should be, rightly. Uh, so John Piper says uh, you should be able to drink a glass of orange juice to the glory of God uh, because of the flavors and that are popping in your mouth. And, you know, God could have made it, you know, everything monocolor and, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, for, for some of you that may have to do that, I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it could have been where, where we don't have any of those, uh, things to enjoy and without taste buds, we could just have to eat food to sustain life, but without any enjoyment of that food, uh, for any of you, I, you know, I'm a big foodie. I love food. Um, you know, and you know, that, that's something that should prompt our, not just to enjoy it for what it is, but God, thank you for giving, you know, this blessing, you know, yeah, whatever. When you said that, so, I just, yeah. it was just another, another nail in the house that said, that's the church we want to go to when we mm -hmm. go back to, you know, just another reason mm -hmm. that I had for wanting Praise to make Lord. this the home church. Awesome. Yeah. That's Good. it. Well, thank you. Thanks for that. Sorry, sorry, my no, no apology Party necessary. You came in at exactly the right time, because we believe in the sovereignty of God here in this church. See that? Do you see what I did there? Failures. Yeah. Yeah. See you, Jeremiah. Uh, he's such a good brother. I love him so dearly. Uh, in fact, we're hoping to go on a little vacation with them. Uh, we, uh, by the way, we leaders love each other. <laughs> Just you should know that <laughs> we don't hate each other. We love each other. We may disagree on occasion with each other, but we really do enjoy each other. We spend time with each other. <clears throat> We're intentional about that. I think this is important for you to know if you're going to be a member here. Um, we intentionally get together for breakfasts on a Saturday, uh, probably quarterly, maybe not quite, maybe every third of the year we get together, wives included, for relationship building. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what we do for accountability in just a minute. But all right, to conclude what I uh, was just talking about, uh, I wanted to make sure I said this. Uh, when I taught a college and career class, I did it for 10 years. And what I stopped doing was asking the men um, if they had looked at pornography. I started asking them when they had last looked because there wasn't an exception uh, ever. Um, it's, it's so accessible today. Um, I mean, these smartphones, you, it's right there. You've got a, a computer more sophisticated than anything we had 30 years ago right in your hand. And there was never an exception. All of them struggled. Um, the Internet's so uh, available now. Uh, so knowing that, um, out of that concern that I had, and it was a great concern because I knew these guys who were struggling privately needed to come out of their isolation because the enemy wants you isolated. When you're in any kind of sin, whether it's pornography or anything, anger, um, any kind of addiction, uh, isolation is the enemy's little way to keep you away. 
uh, he loves to keep you isolated and to think, you know, I'm the only one when you are not. Coming out of it is so important. We had a young man come to our house um, and he said, I have something to tell you. I already knew in advance what he was going to say. I, I just knew. Um, and sure enough, he was in a fetal position on our couch, uh, so ashamed, raised in a Christian home, homeschool, a 10-year pornography addiction. He finally got it out because I helped him with it. And I said, this is a huge step for you, young man, huge, because you've been isolated all this time, right where the enemy wants you. Now you've revealed where we can help you. And, uh, and I was able to meet with him on a regular basis. And out of those meetings I had, uh, I started asking guys, why don't you guys get together? Why don't you start meeting together? And they did. So we have a, uh, a, a single group of, of men who meet on a regular basis at one of the guys' homes. They're serious. They're going through books like um, Finally Free by Heath Lambert, uh, who also was addicted to pornography. He's now uh, a, a pastor in Georgia. Excellent book. You want a resource for this? Finally free. Uh, it's really a good book. Um, and then uh, there's another one, Passions of the Heart by John Street. Um, and the guys have gone through some of those. And, uh, and so these are men who are, aren't just patting each other on the back saying, yeah, failed again. Okay, brother, do your best. You know, they, they're, they're really thinking of, of strategizing ways. How can we not fall this week? How can we do better this week? What can you do? How can you text me? What can I say to you? How can, you, I, how can I help you? That's what these guys are doing. Uh, and it's, it, to me, it's, it's a kind of an underground ministry that occurred organically, and it's one of the most important ministries in our church. Because, why do I say that? We're gonna, because these men are real. They're not hiding. They're, they're saying, we, we struggle with sin. <coughs> May I say to all of us, we all do that. We all struggle with sin. Some of us keep our pride wall up so thick we won't tell anybody about our struggles. Well, in this church, we really want to foster an, a, a, a culture of transparency, a culture of honesty, a culture of authenticity, where you're saying, yeah, I struggle, and I'm meeting with other men that are helping me with my struggle. That's what we want. And we also have a married men's group. That group's bigger than the single men group. I tell these guys all the time, marriage will not solve this issue. It will not. You'll carry it right into marriage. I promise you. And some of them come back and say, boy, were you right. Because they think, you know, sexual intimacy all, all the time, all the time. No, no, no. Those of us that have been married know that sickness occurs, uh, issues come up, um, mental illness develops, uh, social anxieties come, whatever keeps us from being what we would think that we would be prior to marriage. So marriage doesn't solve that issue. It does help. It does help, but it doesn't solve it. So these men are getting together. Uh, and we're trying to get uh, the wives to start a ministry together. It, they, it's kind of sputtered along. I'm still working on that. Uh, to get the ladies together, not to bash their husbands, but to pray for their husbands. And there, and there are some ladies that are addicted as well to pornography that need help. A third of the ladies in our culture a third. Um, back in the day, that was unheard of too. Uh, it could be higher now. So we really care about that. Um, and so if there's any interest in any of those ministries, please contact me um, and we'll, we'll try to plug you in. I'm, I'm having guys move into those groups all the time. 
And as guys get married, they move over to the other one, you know. So please, uh, <clears throat> if that's an area where you're struggling, please uh, let us know. Because um, these guys are the real ones. There's so many others in our, in our church that I know, I know, are struggling in isolation. They're too ashamed to admit it. No, um, come on out. Come on out of the closet. Let's talk. Um, this, that's the way you'll break the chain. All right, so a commitment to protecting the reputation of Christ, that's really important. How to deal with your own sin. Um, boy, I'm going to have to move on this one. So I'm going to skip that page. Um, we care about sin in this church. Obviously, Christ died for your sin. He, the sanctification process is not to become sinless, but to sin less. So uh, the, the day of glory, will, you'll be sinless. Until that day, we fight. We fight. We fight. And there's nobody here that's not fighting. If you're not actively fighting, there's a problem. What, what happens when you stop actively fighting and you're involved in a sin is we end up having to go through a process called church discipline. That's why we ask you to, to battle your sin. We're not coming against anyone who is battling their sin. They may fall. They may falter. They may have trouble. They may have to get up, down, up, down. But they're locking arms. They're battling. Those are the men we're coming alongside. But when a guy says, uh-uh, nah, I don't need anybody's help, and I'm going to keep doing this. Now, that's a problem. And uh, we care too much about how that will infect the church. Sins like yeast, you know, it just grows and grows and grows. And, and we have to do something about that. And we do that here. And the Bible's clear. The, uh, the, the formula for uh, dealing with sin is in Matthew 18. 15 through 17, if a brother sins against you, go tell, his, tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, have, you have gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two along with you every, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and tax collector or treat him as an unbeliever. That's really what he's saying. So the steps in church discipline uh, are these. Step one begins with a private confrontation. It could have happened on the way to church today. Husbands and wives, could have happened today. Um, Lynn says to me, Doug, you were really harsh this morning. Oh, baby, I'm sorry, what'd I say? I don't even remember what I said. Well, you said this, I'm really sorry. Or I could say, so, it's your problem. Uh, well, that's a problem, and if that keeps up, that kind of attitude keeps up. Lynn's going to have to go, you know, call another guy, me, one of the other elders, and say, Doug is continually harsh with me. So that's step two. She brings somebody else in. Uh, but step one happens all the time, and it's healthy to happen all the time. Well, we need to uh, talk to each other, get the big log out of your own eye. I say get the lumber factory out of your eye so you can go and get the speck out of somebody else's eye. But you want to do that. You don't want to not get the speck out of somebody's eye. If you see a sin occurring with someone, we've had to, I remember one time we had to go pull a guy out of a bar because his, he was constantly um, avoiding his family. Uh, we had to go get him out of the bar. And say, hey, man, what are you doing? Well, he refused to listen to us. He ended up getting church discipline eventually because he was, uh, he just, he had given up on his family and was just living the dream, his dream, you know, which resulted, of course, anytime. You live for sin. It always takes you a lot farther than you want, and you wind up in a very dark place. We all know that, which is why we practice church discipline here. And when I, I, it sounds harsh, that ch church discipline, it, it begins with all of us. 
one-on-one. -on -one. Happens all the time. That's what we need to do uh, to help each other. Now, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be that guy. You know, it's always pointing out somebody else's sin. No, 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 no. We want you to be relational with somebody. You know, you're not just, I, you know, there's some of you people I know, some of you I don't. I'm not going to go up. I'm not going to, Marcus, we, we don't know each other well, right? I'm not going to go up to you and start pointing stuff out to you until I get to know you and you know me. Uh, but if you see something, you say something. Where have we heard that? Uh, see something, say something. You, know, you, you can't just let somebody slide into sin without lovingly confronting them. So we do practice church discipline here. You should know that. Uh, after step one, if it goes to step two, or, and, and step one and step two are private, circle small, we want it to stay small. If the person repents within step one or step two, if I repent in the car, or if I repent when Lynn goes and gets rich and Rich talks to me and says, what are you doing, brother? That's where it ends right there. I'm so sorry. I, I, yeah, I sin. I, I, will, I, I will have you hold me accountable. That, step two, done. Private. Doesn't need to go outside of that. Step three is when it gets public. So if the person refuses, refuses, and then we go to step three and bring it before the church. Um, the most recent one we did here was a couple years ago. Was anybody here for that? Anybody remember that? Okay, a couple of you. Um, it's, it's so hard. It's so difficult to have to announce a name and then say, church, pray for them. If you have a relationship with this person, go after them. Write them a letter. Go to their place of work. Do whatever it takes. Don't put your arm around them and say, hey, we're buddy-buddy. You go with the purpose of drawing them to repentance. And it takes courage. We're asking members to have that kind of courage. If that day comes, we don't do it often here. I think I've been here since Jeremiah said we too, maybe six or seven times in the 30 years, 33 plus years I've been here. So it doesn't happen very often to get to praise the Lord for that, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen often. But you need to know that we take it serious enough that it does happen. We're going to do that. Um, we're not going to shrink from that. And not many churches do that because of fear. Uh, well, uh, hopefully, we fear God more than we fear men, and, and so we do do that. Um, all right, I, I hear people stirring. Um, uh, one thing you need to know, uh, when we do do that, it is, a, it is an extremely sobering and sanctifying process in everybody's life because everybody is reflecting on their own sin. Oh, God, please. I don't want that to ever happen to me. I don't want to ever be up there. And it could, there but for the grace of God go I. Uh, we all have that, that possibility. We're all sinners. And we need to be checked by the Word of God and the Spirit of God, right? So it's a sanctifying process. So what kind of sin would warrant that kind of discipline? Anything ongoing that's unrepentant. Anything. Um, a guy that's not taking care of his family. He's lazy, sleeping in all the time. Uh, uh, sexual sin, of course, that's the big one that usually winds up in church discipline. Somebody is cheating on their husband or wife. Um, uh, um, there's a divisiveness uh, is another one. If there's a guy constantly causing disunity, that will cause um, uh, us to act. Um, so, but it's the key is it's unrepentant, ongoing sin. And what is the purpose? Here it is: the purpose of of, of, of uh, church discipline to deter sin in the church. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? Remember that, X5? Was that a deterrent? 
They come in, one dies, the next one comes in and goes, where's my wife? Oh, she died, and you're about to uh, head out too. He died. Why? Because they lied to the Holy Spirit. They said they did something they didn't do, and bammo, they died. I'm glad that's not happening today. <laughs> Half of us would be dead. Uh, but it happened then because the church had to remain pure. And what does the Bible say right after that happened? And great fear came upon the church. Right. God deals with sin. He's holy, and we should be mindful of that. So it's a deterrence to sin. The next one is to restore a sinful saint. That's always, always, always our heartfelt desire. Always. And then to maintain the reputation of Christ in this world. That's the third one. Uh, one quick story. We had a lady. I'm telling you this because she's given me free reign to tell you this because it's a beautiful story. Um, a Kimmy Wood. You all know Kimmy? Uh, she's in our small group. Um, what, what a gem. Uh, David's up there playing. Kimmy was at the very precipice of church discipline. Um, she'd gotten pregnant out of wedlock and was hard and rebellious and angry. And the day before, the Saturday before, she broke with Jeremiah in the office and said, I, I need Christ. And she gave her life to gave her life to Christ. And you'll see her flitting around. So their first son, Jason, uh, is not David's son. And then after that, David started watching her. And he came to Lynn and I, and he said, is she for real? I said, brother, she's for real. This is real. <laughs> she's given her life to Christ. He goes, should I pursue her? I said, go get her. Yes, you should pursue her. And they're married today. They got four kids. Great story. I'm so glad she gave me permission. Go give her a hug. <laughs> She's been a blessing to this church. And David, too. Uh, he's a quiet strength. And uh, it's a great story. But it's a story of why we do church discipline. We restored a girl who wasn't a Christian. She became a She claimed she was. Realized she wasn't, became a Christian. She gave her life to Christ. And uh, so that is our heart in fighting, uh, in doing that, in, in doing it. It's not, it's not a wagging of the finger. It's come, come, brother, come, sister, come, come back. Come back. We love you. And Kimmy is one of the best stories out there. Right. Any questions? Questions? All right. Next week we're going to talk about how we're led. Uh, who are these guys that you are, uh, we're asking you to submit to? It's really, really important that uh, you hear that. So let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time. I thank you for the beauty of the way you outlined how church discipline should work. I thank you for Kimmy uh, and David and the uh, beautiful example of what uh, repentance does um, to restore. And and Lord, it's it all all points back to you, all of it, and your kindness, um, all of it, and we're so grateful, and you've done that, you've done that quietly in each of the hearts of these folks who are your children, and we're grateful, and now I pray that you'll give us hearts to hear as we walk into that sanctuary and hear uh, the word of God preached from Rich, who's worked hard to prepare it, to bring it to our ears, Prayer, prepare our hearts. And I pray this in Jesus' name. We'll see you next week.